Well, good evening, everybody. It's Chris here from the Whistle Stop Cafe in Mira, Alberta. You can tell that I am Chris from the Whistle Stop Cafe in Mira, Alberta, because my shirt literally says Chris Scott. And that's a poppy actually pressed onto my shirt because I found that a lot of people have forgotten. Anyway, um, hello, and welcome to the early, late, late show with someone completely insignificant. And by somebody completely insignificant, I'm referring to me because I am, in the grand scheme of things, completely insignificant. I'm nobody important. I'm just a businessman uh, that runs a restaurant. Uh, I'm a dad, a son, a grandson, a nephew, an oil field worker. Um, I don't know what else you'd call me, a boyfriend. Carrie might call me his girlfriend because I call him my girlfriend, but whatever. Anyway, uh, my point is... Take what I have to say with a grain of salt because uh, I am not the be-all, end-all of opinions. Although you might say I am because I've been called an asshole and apparently opinions are like assholes because everybody has one. So on with the show. Uh, a couple things I wanted to talk about tonight. The first of which is I want to express my utter disappointment in my friend Pierre. My goodness. I didn't realize what uh, my friend Pierre had done until my friend Art and his son Nathaniel stopped in at my restaurant for supper tonight. Did you know that my friend Pierre, who I believe to be a strong conservative man, good family man, a, a good Western provinces prairie guy, He's acting just like those who he opposes, unfortunately. Um, now, that's not to say that I don't agree with a lot of what he has to say, and I don't don't like watching him stand up in the House of Commons. We're talking about Pierre Polivare, by, Polivare, by, by the way, in case you didn't pick up on that. Um, I, I love the way he stands up in Parliament and says things like, uh, would the honourable member across the floor please explain to me how our... Inflation has ballooned out of control and our deficit is climbing at a rate unprecedented in Canadian history and blah, 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 blah. And he brings up all these good points. And then, of course, the finance minister, liberal finance minister stands up and he says, blah, blah, blah. Actually, no, it's more like this. Wah, 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 wah. Right? Nothing gets accomplished. Uh, but he speaks out on certain things. Recently, he spoke out against Christine Anderson, uh, M member of European Parliament, who has been very vocal, uh, speaking out against our Prime Minister here in Canada, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, his divisive rhetoric and his uh, lack of participation in real democracy. As a matter of fact, in European Parliament, she said that uh, Justin Trudeau was an embarrassment and his presence, what did, he, what did she say? His presence wasn't welcome in European Parliament and that he was... What the heck did she say? He was um, um, like anti-democratic. And he's treating his own people horribly and like a dictator. Tyr tyranny. Pierre Polivare said that Christine, he doesn't agree with Christine Anderson's... Um, what was the word? like disgusting rhetoric or something, vile rhetoric or something like that, called her a racist. And I'm assuming this is because she opposes unchecked immigration that uh, um, is harmful to 
different countries. Calder racist said that her views were basically unacceptable that she's a member of a, a small fringe minority or something like that. I don't think he used those exact words, but uh, these days I'm having a hard time telling the difference between him and the, the folks that he's supposed to be against. Anyway, I'm really disappointed in that. But at the same time, it brings up uh, a question. Is there ever going to be a federal politician that's going to save Alberta or Saskatchewan or British Columbia? Ever. Ah, yes. Christine Anderson said, Mr. Trudeau, please spare us your presence. That's what she said. Amazing. It was awesome. And I don't know everything about Christine Anderson, but I like what she said about our situation in Canada. So anyway, uh, I've said it before. I'll say it again. There's not going to be a federal solution to the problem we have in the West here within Confederation Canada. There won't be. The only solution is for the West to stand up and say, enough is enough, Canada. If you don't want us to have a seat at the table, then we're not going to sit at your table. We're not going to sit at the kids' table anymore, so piss off. That's the solution. It always has been. It always will be. And Pierre Polivare, whether he's elected or not, is going to show us that, as has every single prime minister from Western province in the last 150 years. So, on that note, I've been receiving a lot of questions about the Alberta Prosperity Project. What's going on? Dr. Dennis Modry resigned as the CEO. Um, some people resigned as regional directors and regional leaders and yada, yada, yada. Is the APP imploding? Is the APP done? This and that. And my answer to that would be no. It appears there's some growing pains. And unfortunately, in this case, now from my uneducated hamburger flipping opinion, I would say these growing pains are largely a result of miscommunication. And I'll even go so far as to maybe hurt people's feelings a little bit. And I will say that unfortunately, the APP, myself included, even though I'm not technically... Uh, a member of the organization, I'm, I'm just a member at large, has had a critical lack of leadership. And what I mean by that is, I think there's been some issues that have come up that haven't been dealt with effectively, promptly, and they've allowed rumors and miscommunications and assumptions to all but derail a very good idea. So the idea is that uh, Alberta needs to stand up and say enough is enough and we need to chart our own course forward and we need to focus on prosperity, whether that is within or external to Confederation. Now, in the beginning of the Alberta Prosperity Project meeting, if you had attended, you would first generally hear Dr. Dennis Modry laying out the rationale for independence. And he would basically say, you know, the West can do a one of a few things. We could either improve our position within Confederation and rewrite the Constitution so that we have a better deal and more equitable deal within, within Confederation, or we could have a referendum um, and utilizing the Clarity Act, we could say, hey, if you guys want to go to own nothing and be happy, we're out. See you later. Have a great life. Let's make some great trade, arrange trade arrangements. So from my point of view, I know that... Uh, it is all but impossible to actually fix our position within Confederation. I know that it's almost impossible to rewrite the Constitution uh, in a manner that gives the West, British Columbia included, British Columbia, uh, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, an actual seat at the table where we actually have representation in the East 
and we can actually have a voice in how the, the direction of the country goes. I know it's almost impossible, but it is possible nonetheless. So um, that's been the conversation. How does this work? Do we have to leave Canada? Do we have to simply have leverage in order to get a better deal within Canada? And both are both are are, uh, are possibilities. So as of late, um, in my opinion, the Alberta Prosperity Project has been making some excellent headway in causing government and politicians, government of the day and would-be politicians or would-be governments, causing them to use words and start to try and get ahead of the parade that the Alberta Prosperity Project has been creating. That's what we wanted, correct? We wanted uh, the government to recognize that there was a group of people who wanted something very specific. And what we want is a common sense path forward for Alberta to be prosperous and not uh, have our energy industry vilified, agriculture vilified, uh, firearms confiscated, federal inspectors on our land, those types of things. We don't want intrusions into our sovereign jurisdiction as a province. And, uh, and we want our government to acknowledge that that's what the people want. And it's working. As a matter of fact, our current government is a United Conservative Party government. Um, and I wasn't a very big fan of the United Conservative Party uh, as they were uh, allowing my business to be chained shut and me thrown in jail. And as I was watching pastors be thrown in jail as well. However, they have started changing their language and speaking in a, in a manner that I would only expect would happen if the people had given them the courage to do so. And one of the words is sovereignty. Very important word. What does sovereignty mean? Sovereignty basically means that you get to chart your own course. You are free to steer your ship in whatever direction you want to go, for better or for worse. That's what sovereignty means. It means that it's understood that you have the right to chart your own course forward and external external uh, 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 input is not required nor appreciated. Uh, there's also the word autonomy that's been thrown about, and I would explain it as such. Uh, my business is autonomous. My restaurant is autonomous. It runs on its own, right? I direct the business and we do business things and, and we're left to our own devices until we're not. That's how autonomy works. If you, you can be completely autonomous, you could have a job and be an employee and be autonomous in your task, but you still have an employer that at the end of the day is going to tell you what to do. They're going to tell you what your path forward for the day is going to be. That's autonomy. Sovereignty and autonomy are two totally different things. In Alberta, we're looking for sovereignty. As laid out in the Constitution, believe it or not, the Constitution Act of Canada, 1982, outlines Alberta's sovereign jurisdictions. Just to name a few, administration of health care, uh, employment insurance, pensions, policing, extraction and development of our natural resources. Those are some of our sovereign jurisdictions as Albertans, and we want them. But as we've seen, the federal government is doing things to encroach on our sovereign jurisdiction. They're going even so far as to take our money from us in the form of transfer payments and bribe us saying, you know, Alberta, we'll give you some more money for administering your health care to help you out. As long as you agree to give up your sovereignty in administration of health care by requiring your citizens to have a federal digital health ID that shares health information such as vaccination status with the federal government. 
Now, I'm sure many of you watching will understand why that's a bad thing. Why would it be a bad thing that the federal government is poking their fingers in our jurisdiction? And I would just take this opportunity to remind you that anything the government gets their fingers in, it doesn't go well. It costs the government $3 to do the same task. It takes private sector $1. And that's probably because for every 10 people in this country, um, we have one person governing us. So if you're in a group of 100 people, there are 10 people whose salaries you literally pay to govern you. So that meme where people are saying, oh, govern me harder, daddy, is quite accurate. We're, we're governed. We're really governed. We're governed hard, like really hard, like Will Ferrell, hard. That's how hard we're governed. So we want sovereignty. And our current government has actually, uh, Daniel Smith has attended some Alberta Prosperity Project uh, events some of which that I've spoken at. She's attended some uh, freedom-minded meetings, uh, particularly the one I'm thinking about is in Olds, where I had the opportunity to have supper with her. And even Danielle Smith understands that our, well, understand, she knows that the West has got a, the short end of the stick in Confederation. And she wants to fix that, right? She says she wants to fix that. But she doesn't want Alberta to have to leave Canada. So she and her government they came up with the Alberta Sovereignty Act. And basically it's saying, federal government, uh, stop getting in our business. We have sovereign areas of jurisdiction in our province. Stay out of it. That's what this is asking. And it's, it's saying that if the federal government passes laws that interfere on our sovereign areas of jurisdiction as a province, then we won't enforce it. That's fair, is it not? As a matter of fact, it's called the United... It's called the... Alberta Sovereignty Act within a United, uh, Alberta Sovereignty within a United Canada Act. Now, even the Premier knows that this might not work because apparently our federal government in this, in this country, they not only believe that this is a federation of provinces in which the member states have no sovereign jurisdiction and they have all of it, um, but they also believe that it's important to increase their power and increase their control over the provinces by doing such things as, as going so far as to bribe them. I mean, they even tried successfully bribed some of our indigenous folks in this province to speak out against an act that was designed to, uh, to make this province better. The federal government is taking your money and bribing people with it. That's what it is. It's a bribe. It's coercion. It's extortion. And even our premier understands that this is happening and this act that the Alberta legislature has passed might not work. She understands that we may need a referendum on independence to use as leverage against the federal government to say, hey, stop interfering with our, with our sovereign jurisdictions. Now, I'm going to pause for a second. And I'm going to explain something because there's a lot of people that probably don't understand how this country is supposed to work as a confederation. Let me explain. And in the words of one of my friends and a, a, a wonderful politician, my friend Pierre, let me be frank and let me be perfectly clear. Canada and its provinces was never designed to have a national government. Okay? This country was never structured so that the, the power center was with the federal government. It was always designed so that the member states, i.e. the provinces, were not only autonomous, but had sovereign jurisdiction in all of those areas I mentioned before and a few more. And it was put pen to paper on the Constitution 
the premier signed, the prime minister signed, the queen signed, yada, yada. We're all happy. And we called it a confederation instead of a federation because confederation literally means against con federation, against federation. Canada is against centralized power telling all of these regions what to do. And there's a very good reason for that. It's because we're a big friggin' jurisdiction and we have regional differences. We have different needs. We have different wants. We have different desires. We have different climates. We have different uh, resources. We have all of these different things. And the only way for a group of people that big and that diverse to get along and be unified is to be guaranteed that they have sovereign jurisdiction in those areas. Do you understand? I used to be under the impression that the United States had such a great idea. They were going to have all these member states, states, and they were all going to be uh, pretty much autonomous and sovereign in almost everything. And the federal government was basically kind of like the glue that bound them all together for uh, for a, a common goal, which would be to become, I don't know, the world's power center, whatever. So I always thought that was better than what Canada had, in which we had a bunch of provinces who had to do what the federal government says, until I started looking into it and I realized Canada is very much the same in that our member states are guaranteed to have sovereign jurisdiction in certain areas. Now, you probably know that the reason, the, the way the federal government is getting around that is they're saying, well, we have to do this. We have to interfere with your sovereign jurisdiction in this area because climate change. As a matter of fact, the federal government has taken climate and environment as one of their jurisdictions, and they're using that to encroach into all of the provincial jurisdictions, every single one of them. Oh, well, how, how are they doing that with employment insurance? Well, let me tell you. Employment insurance, Canada pension plans, both have mandates from the federal government to invest in green, uh, in green funds. We're talking about a government that's investing our money for protecting our employment uh, or making sure we have money when we're unemployed and making sure we have a pension to live on by investing in unsustainable co companies that require government subsidies to exist. That is bad news bears any way you look at it. Those are our safety nets. That's what is supposed to keep us... Uh, comfortable knowing that we're going to be taken care of is that our government is investing the money that we give them to set aside for us responsibly so that it's going to be there when we need it. But it's not there when we need it, is it? Because they do these virtue signaling, environmentally wacko things like invest our pension plan heavily in companies that cannot stand on their own two feet and cannot turn a profit without federal subsidies or provincial subsidies. That's just one of the way they're encroaching on our sovereign jurisdiction. And it is a problem. It's going to be a very big problem going forward. And we're going to start feeling the pain really, really soon. Unless we do something about it. I would suggest we have a referendum on independence, you know, and use it as leverage against the federal government to say, get the hell out of our business. Because if you want to go towards destruction and doom, we don't want to go with you as Albertans. I'm an Albertan. I don't want to go there. So that brings me full circle to, um, to something else. Now, what the heck was it? Yes, 
It is ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous what the federal government's doing. There's some serious confusion as to how this works. So one way we could get this referendum on the table is by electing a government, a, a, a government, a political party, a group of representatives who guarantee they're going to do that. For instance, the Independence Party of Alberta uh, with my friend Art Pulowski. If they happen to make government within the first year of becoming a majority government, they will put a referendum on the table and ask Albertans to give them the leverage that they need to negotiate with the federal government and get a better deal. That's how that works. That's one way of doing it. Another way of doing it is that the people could stand up and do the work and say, hey, in Alberta, we have this thing called a citizens initiative referendum. And if we get enough Albertans on board and asking for this referendum, the government will do it. They have to do it. They have a mandate to do it. There's legislation that says they have to do it. As a matter of fact, Daniel Smith, our current premier of Alberta, the leader of the United Conservative Party of Alberta, has even stated that this might be a necessity and they're going to strive to reduce the threshold from uh, 20% for constitutional issues down to 10% of eligible voters. So this all of the sudden becomes within reach for the people to get done on their own, as we should be doing anyway, because the people are supposed to direct the government, not the other way around. So there's two ways to accomplish this. We elect in a party, uh, elect a party such as the Independence Party of Alberta, who guarantees a referendum within the first year of becoming, becoming majority government, or the current government reduces the threshold, or maybe not even reduces the threshold, but the current government is given a mandate to hold a referendum by the people. Now, at this point, um, the Independence Party of Alberta has a bunch of great people in it. I mean, there there's some issues, just like any other organization, but there are some good people who legitimately want to make a difference. And Art is one of them. I don't, care, I don't really care what you think of him. He's a good man, and he actually wants to make a difference. The reality is they're not going to make government in May, right? That's the reality. They're very new. They're very small. And they don't have the, they just don't have the capacity to become a majority government next May. So at this point, with the information that I have, I know we need a referendum on independence. And the realistic way we're going to get that done within the next few years is with a referendum or pardon me, with a, with a citizen's initiative uh, um, to get the referendum on the table. That's what's going to happen. Because it's very, very likely that our current government, the UCP government, will be the government next election. That's, it's, I think that's the way it's going to be. Now, I had a talk with Art today, and he brought up something very, very interesting. Did you know that you only need three members of a political party to form caucus in the legislature and be privy to documents and information as to how government things have worked. So imagine this. Are the UCP form a majority government next uh, May or this May? This, this May, it's coming up right away. It's almost March. They form a majority government. The Independence Party elects three maybe four um, people to represent their constituents in the Alberta legislature. And they're people who really want to know what happened over the last three years. And they're privy to that information. 
they can ask those questions and have them answered. They can find out, you know, who signed off on this? Where did these things come from? Who agreed to follow uh, the College of Physicians and Surgeons in in uh, persecuting doctors for being doctors? Who did this? They could do that. That would be pretty cool, I think, because I want to know. I want to know who did that. I want to know who's responsible for this. I want to know exactly why the government participated in, and not only participated, but encouraged Albertans to discriminate against each other. I want to know who signed off on that. And you know what? If it happens to be uh, current sitting MLAs or ministers, I want to know. Because they should be fired. And I think if I was the premier and I was really about freedom, which I, I, I think she is, and she was really, and she really meant what she said about um, the, the, the unvaccinated being the, the worst discriminated against group that she's witnessed at least. And that's, and, and she said even, and that's not to mean that nobody else was discriminated against, but we've always spoke out against it, not encouraged it. But in this case, we encouraged discrimination against the unvaccinated. I shouldn't even say unvaccinated. Unaltered, I guess I'll say. So those questions need to be answered. Now that this brings up something else, and I said it before, I'll say it again. Anybody who's telling you that your vote is wasted if you vote for somebody who, uh, whose message and, and platform resonates with you, anybody who's saying that isn't worth your time and do not listen to them. It doesn't matter who you vote for. If you're a communist living in Alberta and you vote for the Communist Party of Alberta, or you vote for the, the NDP in Alberta, your vote is not wasted because we live in a democracy. And as much as I don't agree with you and your political views, I would never tell you that your vote is wasted voting for a candidate whose message resonates with you. If you believe that your Independence Party of Alberta candidate best represents you and would do the best job in your constituency, vote for them and be proud to vote. If it's a UCP, MLA, vote for them. If your UCP MLA is still the nominee, or pardon me, not the nominee, but is still the uh, contestant in the next election, and they have done a horrible job, and you don't like what they've done, and they don't believe in, in freedom, and they've been pushing people and bullying them, don't vote for them. Don't. Vote for somebody who uh, is aligned with you. Now, I say that for a very, very important reason. It's not because I'm some government psyop, you hungry, unhungry trucker, not even a trucker. It's because if we start saying, if our message is vote for these people so we don't get those people, no matter what, you might not like them, you might not like what they've did, how they've been tyranny or tyrannical, lying psychopaths over the last three years, but vote for them anyway because we don't want these guys. If that's our message... How are we going to expect those people to do the right thing? I would say if any political candidate wants to win our votes, they damn well work for it. They earn it. If we tell them we will not put up with people being discriminated against for their, uh, their medical, uh, their medical informa uh, choices over their own bodies, and they won't say, Yes, you know what, Chris? 
I do agree with that. People should not be discriminated against uh, against because of that. And we're going to put some laws in place for that. If they can't say that, and that's what I want, I will not vote for them. If they know what we want, and they won't stand up and lead and have courage to, to, to do the right thing, they don't deserve our votes. Period. That's all there is to it. Vote splitting? No, it's just a bully tactic to get you to vote for what somebody else wants you to vote for. There is no such thing as vote splitting. There is no such thing as vote wasting. The only vote wasted is the vote not done. If you don't go to the polls and use your voice in the form of your vote, that's a waste. But nothing else is. Anyway, uh, I started this late. It's already 10 p.m. I believe I have to be up at like the crack of noon tomorrow or something like that. And do a bunch of, I think I gotta do like five or six rock push-ups before I go to work. So I'm just gonna look up some, look at some of the questions here. I haven't really been looking at them too much because I've been on this real rant lately. Ah, there is something else I wanted to talk about. I've been getting messages from people telling me we can't vote for vote for UCP because they're WEF. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Uh, the premier actually spoke out against the WF and said, we're not going to uh, play games with them and, and do their policy because why would we want to engage with outside organizations that the people don't elect bragging about influencing our politicians? We're not going to do that. But yet I'm getting tons of emails and screenshots and stuff about this. One of the things is about digital ID and digital currency. There is this misconception right now circulating amongst the internet that because the Alberta government has a digital, uh, what is it, a, a digital strategy that they must be WEF because digital ID and digital currency is bad right? Wrong. Alberta has had a digital strategy for years. The world is going digital. People have basically demanded that government services are streamlined and become accessible in a digital fashion. For example, registries, schooling, healthcare, those types of things. Even employment insurance, uh, pension stuff is all available digital right now because that's what the people have asked for. Now, I don't agree with a universal digital universal digital ID in which people can be completely turned shut off if they speak out against the government. That's a totally different thing. Streamlining government uh, services through a digital strategy is a different thing altogether. And some may say it's a stepping stone, but I want to ask you this. In a world that's transforming almost everything to digital, how do you expect that Alberta is not going to offer digital services? Services, It will not happen. I mean, there could be a great groundswell of 4 million Albertans that say, nope, we want pay for everything. And yeah, the government would do it. But for now, the most part, for the most part, people want digitally streamlined services. Now, moving on to digital currency, anybody who is against digital currency that the government can shut off if you speak out against them, I'm against it. Anybody who wants this not to happen in Alberta, 
this is such a this is so simple i i can't believe i didn't think about it before who's responsible for currency in this confederation of canada is it danielle smith is it the alberta treasury branch who is assisting with the rollout of canadian digital currency not the only bank by the way is it our provincial government it is not it is the federal government the federal government in canada wants to roll out a digital currency and replace cash the federal government wants to go down a path to a cashless society the federal government wants to remove cash from circulation and have all of our wealth only digital ones and zeros in a computer somewhere not only so they can shut it off well they i mean they won't tell you it's because they want control but it's for control they also want to be able to monitor when you go to a garage sale and buy something or when you sell something at a garage sale so they can tax you on it that's what that's about that's what digital currency is about it's not about convenience although it would be convenient it's about control and taking more money out of your pocket and my pocket and putting it in the federal government's if you don't want that you should just vote for an mp who will go to the house of commons and tell them no we're not going to do that right oh no wait wait really if Western Canada all voted for people that didn't want digital currency, you're, you're telling me that we'd still get it because uh, Eastern and Central Canada have the majority of the votes and most of the bureaucrats live there who would benefit from digital currency? That doesn't make any sense. That means we're taxed in Alberta and BC and Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and we're not represented. You mean they take our money, but they don't listen to our voice? You don't want digital currency? And you believe that we can stay within this confederation of Canada and we can stop it? Well, I got another, you got another thing coming. Our voices do not matter in central Canada and the East. And you're seeing that right now. Mr. Pierre Polivare is demonstrating it perfectly. Why is he speaking out against Christine Anderson, calling her a racist? Is it because his area, the West, believes that? No, Alberta loves her. A lot of British Columbia and Saskatchewan, Manitoba, they love her because she spoke out against the tyranny coming from her prime minister. And yet our conservative leader is speaking against her, not because it's in the West's best interest, but because that's what the voter base in central Canada wants to hear. If you don't want digital currency and digital ID, you get off your ass and you join an organiza organization like APP and you be counted in the number of Albertans that do not want to go down that path. And you demand when the time comes that our government put a referendum on the table so that we get off this sinking ship before it comes here. Currency is not a provincial matter. It's federal. And we will not stop it within Canada. We will not. We cannot. Debbie Lynn, people are laughing because they're stupid. Because they think this is just a big joke. They think it's a conspiracy. They think these things that are literally happening in other parts of the world couldn't possibly happen in canada the people that are laughing are canadians who have never ever experienced any kind of tyranny and they don't even believe it could happen here because we live in a democracy but the unfortunate reality is that democracy may not be the the fastest path to communism because it's the easiest all you have to do is change the way people think and convince them that they have to give up their rights and freedoms for the greater good. You don't have to fight a war. You don't have to overthrow a government. 
All you have to do is rely on the fact that people don't pay attention. They're more interested in their own lives than what's going on politically. And you wait. And you strip away rights and freedoms little by little by little until there are none. And I know this because I, I've talked to new Canadians, immigrants who have seen this in their own countries. They left their countries because that happened there. They've seen it. They've tasted it. They've smelled it. They know what it looks like. Some have seen people get shot in the streets. They know what it looks like. And they're screaming from the rooftops, Canada, this is happening to you. You need to stop it. And Canadians are like, what are you talking about? We're Canadians. We're the freest country in the world. This will never happen. It's a democracy. We'll just vote. We'll just vote. And, and we'll never be under tyranny because we're a democracy. <laughs> People don't get involved until it affects them. And I bet you some of those immigrants that I've talked to didn't get involved in their countries until it affected them. But by the time they got involved, it was too late. But in Canada, we have a leg up because we have people that have seen it before and they're speaking out and we should be listening to them. You don't want digital currency? Focus on Alberta independence. And stop saying stupid things like, no, we just have to unify Canada. Canada has never been unified. And that doesn't mean that I don't love all of the rest of the Canadians and all of our differences and similarities and, th and those types of things. This is a great country. And the people are great. But we need to be free to be different. We cannot be ruled. We cannot have one ring to rule them all. How did that work out for those furry little furry feet people? Wait. Sorry, I think that was a movie. I thought it was in the news. We cannot be ruled by one set of rules in this country. We're too different. We need to be free to disagree in order to get along. We need to be unified in, with the idea that we can be different and get along. That's what we should be unified around. There was something else, and it was important. Ah! Are any of you familiar with some of the hate pages devoted to my demise and destruction? You might have seen them. Uh, they're quite comical. Sometimes they're quite disgusting. There's a lot of people. I shouldn't even say a lot of people. There's a small fringe minority of people who are severely misinformed, make ridiculous assumptions, and they say things about me. They lie about me, blatant lies. They obviously have no idea what they're talking about, and they just have this echo chamber of disgusting hate. Some folks from my own town participate in that page. And you know what? Not one of them has ever come to my restaurant or phoned me or come to my house and had a face-to-face -face conversation with me and asked me some of the questions or made some of the statements that they make online about me. Not one. Because they're chicken shits. However, I had the opportunity of serving one of the most active members of a hate page in my cafe today. Yes, I served him breakfast. I poured his coffee. I asked him how his breakfast was, to which he replied, it was amazing as always. Now, this is a dude who says that I steal from people and says that I, um, I grifted a bunch of money from people because I said to people, I need to buy this restaurant so I can continue this fight. Will you help me? And they did. And I bought the restaurant. 
Apparently, that was tricking people. Anyway, I got to serve him breakfast today, and it was amazing. Although, completely, it was just, it wasn't, there, nothing even happened. And I bring this up because, at the very least, even though they're doing it in a sneaky manner, people actually want to know what's going on. Those who have said things about me, like I should be drug out into the street and shot, may now be wondering if there was something to what I was saying. So now they come into my cafe and they say to me, oh, yeah, that's a great uh, big truck out there. That must have cost a lot of money, right? To which I responded, yes, it did. And for any of you who are wondering out there, I mean, you might be a, you might be a, uh, one of the people who hate me and you have questions or make statements in the form of a question, but whatever. And you might want to know about that picker truck. Well, let me tell you about that picker truck. When I decided to go to Ottawa, I decided at the very, very last possible day. It was a Friday. Uh, the Friday before everybody gathered at the Flying J in Calgary to leave in the convoy on Monday. Something moved within me. It could have been gas, but I think it was the realization that this wasn't uh, an organized thing. This was a groundswelling of Canadians who were screaming for something to put their hope in. And I realized what was happening. So I phoned a friend of mine. I said, listen, you know, this might be a long shot, but I, I need a truck. I want to go on this convoy. And they said, were your ears burning? Because we were just talking about how we would love to send somebody, but we're busy. We can't do it. So um, he ended up selling me the truck for basically nothing. And I had to sell it back to him, of course. But the purpose of that was so I could register it, insure it, and drive it to Ottawa proper with a license plate, a support our troops license plate, by the way. And I did that. When I got back, I thought, you know what? This truck has become somewhat of an icon. So maybe there's somebody out there that would like to buy this truck and have a part of this, a, a part of history. So I said, well, I'll buy this truck and I'll use it as a fundraiser for full steam ahead, they can do an auction or whatever, and we'll, we'll raise a little bit of money and I'll pay off the truck and donate the rest to whatever we're going to do with it. But in the end, uh, the board of full steam had decided that they didn't want to do that with the truck because they hadn't agreed to it in the first place. I didn't agree, but we voted on the matter and that was settled. So I had this truck, but the way I got that truck is I had this conversation with uh, somebody who I just happened to become friends with. Um, who has since passed. And I said to him, you know, should I do this? Should I buy this truck? I think I want to buy this truck and do a fundraiser and put some money in to help some people that have been, been affected by the uh, vaccine mandates and maybe get some some stuff going here. And he said, sure, no problem. Cut me a check for 95,000 bucks. I went and bought the truck. And I was only supposed to have it for like eight weeks. And it's been way too long. And he actually passed away before I had a chance to uh, sell it and give them the money back. And now I'm in a position where I really have to get that done. So I, I, I should say, if there's anybody out there who wants to own a piece of that convoy history and can use a truck like that, it's a 2011 Western Star tandem tandem with a, a 30 ton Stronghold picker on it. It's an awesome truck. I want to, I want to sell that thing and get that debt paid back. I didn't use donation money for that. I didn't trick people out of money to buy a picker truck and go use it to work. 
I've driven that truck to some events to raise awareness for certain things. Um, paying a uh, dollar for every two kilometers I drive the thing. That's how much it costs to drive it. It's a big truck. I didn't use anybody's money to do that except for the one guy who believed in what we're doing and said, yeah, Chris, I'll help you out with that. So that's where that truck came from. And that's one of the many things that people are just completely misinformed on. I still get questions. What'd you do with the donation money, Chris? Well, um, are you a friggin' idiot? I literally bought the restaurant with it. Like I said, I was going to, that's what I did, but I still get those questions, but not to my face only online because one of the guys that uh, says these things about me online lives like six houses down from me lives on my street. He could literally come to my house and have a conversation with me, but he doesn't because chicken shit or they don't care about the truth. They only care that I'm doing something and they're not. And they want to do everything they can to bring me down. But guess what? I had a conversation with one of my daughters a little a little while ago where I told her, listen, you cannot control or change other people. You can't change them to suit your needs. If you differ in opinions on something, you have two choices. Agree to disagree or you work on yourself and you change the way you think and, 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 and what you do so that you can agree with them. Those are your two choices. And I actually realized that I should probably take my own advice. And, uh, and that's, that's just that. So I'm happy to have conversations with people. I hope they don't have to hide behind fake profiles. Um, I hope they don't have to, you know, pretend they're somebody that they're not when they encounter me in person. If you have something to say to me, come and say it. Be a man. Be a woman. Come up to me and say, Chris, I don't agree with you on this. It's happened more than once. I'm happy to have a conversation with you. But if you're going to come on my page and what did you do with the donations? You are a grifter. No, I'll just ban you because you're an idiot and I don't want your negativity on my page. I have a feeling that I actually made things less clear than they were before I started this video. Um, but I'm going to, I'm actually going to look at the comments now. If you have questions, please put them up and I will do my best to answer them. I'm, I'm going to go till 1030, which is 12 more minutes. And then I'm going to um, pet the chicken and go to sleep. I can't believe Albertans forgot about the million dollar lineup or million dollar lotto sign up to get their jab. Yeah. Imagine that something so safe and effective that you had to lure people in with the hope that they're going to win a million dollars to do it. Our prime minister says, oh, well, 80% of Canadians did this. So everybody wanted it. No, no. 10% wanted it. 15 at the most. Probably the same amount of people who want to get the flu shot wanted the, the new shot. The rest of them did it because they were coerced or extorted or threatened. The rest of them did it because, you know, maybe they worked for Alberta Health Services and their, their cohorts at work told them that they were useless wastes of skin and part of the problem because they wouldn't take that shot or they deserved to die or didn't deserve to have a job because they wouldn't take that shot. 
you know, the organization that has in part of its mission statement, uh, the thing about bullying and harassment that encouraged bullying and harassment in their organization. Yeah. That's why people got it. I have customers in my cafe, just wanted to go have a coffee. One of them wanted to go have a coffee. So he got his shots so that he could go and meet the lady dressed up like a surgeon with a gown and gloves and goggles and a visor and a hairnet and the like ready for heart surgery, but we're just going to go have a coffee, right? Well, came to my cafe a few weeks later after having a heart attack. And this is not an isolated incident. People didn't want that. They did it because they thought they have to. They did it because they wanted to travel or they wanted to win a million dollars. I want to know whose idea that was. And I want to hold them accountable. Nobody even got the million, did they? Yes, absolutely. Uh, two people won the million dollars. One of them was a rich realtor, as far as I know. And the other one, I think, was also a rich realtor. But don't quote me on that. I think you can probably look it up. It might be in the news, but it probably isn't. Because if they did put it in the news, then that would be uh, telling people about other people's health information. And that's illegal, right? Unless you want to go have a burger. Oh, and a hundred dollars too. Yeah, we paid for that, by the way. Pet the chicken that didn't I said pet the chicken, not choked the chicken. Was that too racy? Oh. What is happening with all the APP resignations? That is a very good question. Remember before how I said there was a lot of misinformation, assumptions, and rumors going around? Well, eventually that comes to a head. And at some point, in a group or an organization, if you can't rectify the misinformation and explain to people why things are a certain way so that you can be aligned and focused on your goal, something's got to give. And that's what happened here. I mean, for, for months, ever since the uh, UCP Leadership Debate Forum, I've had people coming up to me and saying, oh, so I hear the APP is just, um, they're just advertising for the UCP now. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Oh, well, they had that leadership debate and now they're talking about sovereignty. And I'm like, no, we had the leadership debate because we wanted to get, ask these candidates questions that gave people the information they needed to select whichever candidate was going to be the most reasonable path to independence because they're, go they're the government. And the government is using our words, not their words. So what are, you, what are you talking about? But this went on and on. Some of it, well, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to say any more than that. But it was an inability to keep people aligned and focused on the goal, which is Alberta prosperity. So on that note, um, if you do believe in a free and prosperous Alberta within or external to Canada, I would suggest you become a member of the APP, get in touch with them, and find out if there's a way that you can help in furthering that. Because I guess there's a couple open positions now. One of my friends, uh, Dr. Roger Hodkinson, he once said, sometimes plan B is better than plan A. And the only way you ever find out 
is when you no longer have plan A and are forced to take plan B. So plan B is looking like a very bright future as far as I'm concerned. Ah, yes. Did you hear that the BC healthcare workers will lose their jobs unless they're fully vaccinated? That includes doctors, nurses, dentists, optometrists, etc. You know what, BC? I've got three words for you. Four words, but I'm going to include an F-bomb. So if you're offended by the F-bomb, plug your ears. British Columbia, stand the fuck up and stop allowing your government to do this to you. Stop it. You don't have to do it. There's probably thousands, millions of other people in your province that think the same way you do. And they don't want this to happen. So stand up and stop it. Also, um, FYI, I believe British Columbia just passed some legislation that doesn't allow doctors, any kind of doctor, to deviate from the accepted protocol. As in, if the Ministry of Truth doesn't approve their treatment of you, uh, they can't do it, and they could be fired or fined or jailed or something. I don't know. Does that scare you? It brings up another quote from my friend, Dr. Roger Hodgkinson. The government are your new doctors. Be afraid. Be very afraid. The government is actively interfering in the doctor-patient relationship, and it will impact you and your health. If not you, your kids and your grandchildren. You should be scared. Yes, I do have a pet chicken. So that's what we're talking about. Uh, what else we got here? Anybody here from Dr. Nagasi lately? Uh, I actually had somebody email me and ask me about that. I haven't heard from him. As far as I know, he's okay. Uh, Daniel, if you're watching, maybe give me a call. And I, I'll try and give him a call tomorrow. And when I'm back tomorrow night, I'll let you know. Ah, here's an interesting comment. Chris, you have no idea of how corrupt all provincial government, the RCMP, and all municipal clowns are. Oh, I have an idea. I have a very good idea how corrupt people are. But I want to remind you that it's not all of them. Uh, the corruption in our government, and I'll, I'm going to say this uh, with some confidence. The government at every level, I think the people who are corrupt are actually a, members of a small fringe minority of government that believe in corruption. I don't believe they're all bad. I believe that there are a bunch of bad, corrupt apples uh, that need to be held accountable for their actions. But unfortunately, the other ones that eat aren't that bad are kind of bad by, what's the word, bad by uh, complacency because they're not speaking out against them. Probably because they're scared to lose their job, lose their income, lose their whatever. And they're very comfortable suckling on the government teat uh, for their overpaid wages. So they don't speak out against it. But I don't think they're all corrupt. So what we have to do as as a society, is we have to become this parade, this giant parade that gives the good people in government the courage to stand up for, for what's right against those corrupt people. 
Dana Henshaw is now higher in BC. Of course, because why wouldn't she be? I mean, she was just busted not fulfilling her role as the CMOH by uh, usurping the powers of the provincial or the provincial health act gave her and using it for political purposes, asking the government uh, what they wanted her to do as she was taking our rights away. I mean, she just got busted in Alberta doing that. So why not go to BC? I mean, she's in great company there because this is going on like crazy. Is it not? You better stand up, BC. It's not going to stop itself. Will you be running in this provincial election? Wow, that's a very good question. Uh, very likely not. And I'll explain why. Uh, a while ago, I said, I really don't want to be in politics. And I realize that being external to politics, doing things like this, is probably just as effective because the only way we're going to change things is if society changes and gives the government the courage to actually do the right thing. Because right now they think the polls say, you know, that people want them to do the things they're doing because we haven't been loud enough. In my area, um, there is a MLA contestant. Her name is Jennifer Johnson. Uh, she just won the, won the nomination for Lacombe Panoka. And I think she's a wonderful woman. I think she'll do a great job. Um, she's very freedom-minded. She's uh, a good family woman. She's, you know, she's just a good person. And I said that I will only run if there isn't another good candidate. And in this case, she's running under the UCP banner. And I, I really don't care what party she's running for. Uh, I care that she's a good woman, and I think that she'll be a, an effective voice and she'll stand up for what's right in the legislature. So I won't be running here. Why would I if I if there's already somebody good? Um, if there's an area that has a piece of crap, tyrannical, you know, crony, old boys club politician that just wants to, you know, take your money and whatever, yeah, I would run. But I don't think I'll have to because there's a lot of people in this province that actually want to do some good. So I think in this next election, you're going to see a choice of good people in almost all of the CAs. At least, let's hope so. There is another really good question here. Uh, I thought APP was prosperity through independence. So the message from the Alberta Prosperity Project, and even on some of their banners, was uh, free... Freedom through freedom and prosperity through independence. Now, the reason for that is because when you sit down and you have a logical, well thought out conversation about how we can be free and prosperous going forward, really the only solution that you have is being independent from the federal government. And that's more of an opinion than a fact, of course, because we don't have a crystal ball. But there are two options. I mean, there there is the option of being free and prosperous within Confederation because that could happen. I don't believe it's probable, but it could happen. Or we could be free and prosperous as an independent nation. Now, I kind of took a step back from this and I said, okay, well, what's the key here? Well, the key is having the leverage to negotiate with the federal government. And that leverage is the referendum on independence. If Alberta said... If these things aren't fixed, if our position in Confederation is not fixed and we don't get these things, 
we have a list of demands, then we're going to leave because we're tired of being the, the, the Confederate whipping boy. It's a possibility that we could negotiate with the federal government and they would say, okay, we're going to stop vilifying your oil and gas. We're going to leave your farmers alone. We're going to leave your guns alone. We're going to stop interfering in all areas of your sovereign jurisdiction and we're going to allow you to chart your own course forward. That could happen. Very similar to what's happened with Quebec. Quebec had a referendum on independence and they lost by 1%, sorry, 2%. So they didn't have a successful referendum on leaving Confederation. However, it was enough to force the federal government's hand to give them a better deal because they didn't want to lose them. And I don't think they want to lose Alberta either. I don't think Canada wants to lose Alberta. And if Canada had to vote on a, uh, you know, not in, in, in ridings or through MPs or whatever, but if Canada had a, a referendum on should we give Alberta a better deal so that they feel like they have a seat at the table and they remain within our confederation, I bet you Canadians would vote yes. I don't think the, the current Trudeau government, the current Liberal Supreme Court, uh, the current useless Senate, or seven out of ten provinces with a with a majority would support the idea of making or giving Alberta a more equitable position. So, if you believe in prosperity and prosperity is your goal, you have to ask yourself: Can we be prosperous within Canada, or do we have to be external to Canada? That's where the fork in the road is, but. Before that comes the referendum. So while I believe that Alberta would have to be an independent nation, that may not be the case. I hope that clears it up a little bit. Uh, the city of Kelowna, along with others, have filed an injunction to stop our protests. Guess what? Somebody once got an injunction against me and said that I couldn't protest. I ended up in jail because I'm a Canadian citizen and it's my charter right to protest. If I can't protest, what else do I have? If I can't use my voice to protest poor government policy or tyrannical government policy, what else is there? I will never give up my, my right to protest. And I really hope that the folks in Kelowna, um, you fight for your right to protest. If you don't exercise that right, you will lose it. Now with that, I will say, um, if you're protesting, probably can't be like blocking blocking streets in the city and disrupting things you probably have to be respectful of your neighbors while protesting however uh the constitution really doesn't differentiate between a protest blocking a road and a protest not blocking a road so i guess that where manners come in uh what else Ah, so from Bill, Dr. Nagasi is holding it together. Was supposed to have had his uh, meeting with the BC College this past week, but they postponed it. He presented his case anyway. He will be speaking in Drumheller, Olds, Camrose, Wainwright, and Calgary the last week in March. There you go. So if you want to see Daniel Nagasi and what he's up to and maybe shake his hand and say, hey, man, thanks for standing up for people and thanks for being a good doctor. Uh, Drumheller, Olds, Camrose, Wainwright, and Calgary. And for more information on that, I'm going to go on a limb here, Bill, and I'm going to say you can probably uh, look up the um, Badlands Freedom Group and they will probably have information there. What's your thought on Chris 
Sky, I'm assuming, not Chris Guy running for office in Toronto. You know what? More power to him. If uh, you are in Toronto and you believe Chris Guy would be a good public servant, then vote for him. If not, don't vote for him. And that's that's all I got there. Please run in the GP riding. Ah, <laughs> uh, I love Grand Prairie, but uh, you know what? I think there's going to be a really good candidate up there too. R.I. Am I in GP? No, I'm not. I am in my constituency is Lacombe Panoka uh, that has a very good candidate who's named Jennifer Johnson. If you don't know who she is, look her up. Um, you'll be glad you did. Okay, so Christine, here's a bit of a explosive question, but I'll do it anyway because that's the kind of guy I am. Why did Dr. Modri leave? This party is freaking falling apart. They're not standing beside his values and methodology. He started this organization, and the fact that he stands down tells me a lot. Okay, that's a very fair, fair statement slash question. Why did Dr. Modri leave? As far as I know, and you would have to ask him yourself to get a better explanation, but if Dr. Modri uh, resigned, I would say that his... Uh, His values and the path that he wanted to see Alberta take no longer aligned with the way the organization was going. That's how I would describe it. Um, I haven't had any conversations with any of the current board yet. I'll do that tomorrow. I was actually, one of them reached out to me a couple of days ago, but I just forgot to call him back. But that's why. The second part of that says this party is freaking falling apart. Well, it's not a party. The Alberta Prosperity Project is not a political party. They will never be a political party. They are an educational society and their goal is to explain to Albertans how we can achieve prosperity and freedom in Alberta. And it could be through independence or with all of our sovereign jurisdictions intact, free of federal um, interference. Uh, they are not standing beside, beside or behind his values and methodology. Okay, so as some of you may know, uh, Dr. Modri has been thinking about Alberta independence and how the our or how our position could be fixed within Confederation since the Klein era. As a matter of fact, he wrote a paper uh, for Premier Klein, and they were supposed to bring this to the legislature and say, "Hey, we need to talk about this." Unfortunately, they didn't. But he's been thinking about this for a long time, and he's not the only one. There's a core group of people who have really put I'm, thousands of hours, like years, into this into the conversation about Alberta independence or backing it up a little bit, a conversation about how Alberta could be prosperous and chart their own course forward. So um, if you were in his shoes and you had been working on this for years and put this much thought and effort into it and the group that you had founded to pursue this goal and educate Albertans as to uh, um, the, the details of this, if, they were, if you're no longer aligned, then you probably wouldn't want to be part of it. However, I, I don't think this is a lost cause at all. I think this is just a growing pain, a hiccup, a bump in the road. And this is just one of those things that happens. And eventually it's going to sort itself out one way or another. 10.30, Chris. Eight minutes ago. I'm way over. Uh, Brian Peckford is fine. He's 
very old, approaching 132. Just kidding. He's not. But he's he's a pretty old guy. He should be retired, enjoying his time on the West Coast, not gallivanting around, protesting, speaking at events. He should be relaxing. He deserves it. Um, that's why you don't see much of him lately. But he is still working on things in the background. I get emails from him from time to time, let me know what he's up to. And uh, he hasn't stopped. But he's also, at least what I'm gathering from his emails, extremely disappointed at the state of our country and how the current government has twisted and perverted the document that he helped found, which is the, the Charter Rights of Freedoms of the Canadian Constitution, or the Constitution Act, 1982. It's got to be depressing to watch a government pervert something that you had a part in that was supposed to be a, a unifying moment from Cana for Canadians and protect them. That's got to be tough. And I think he's, I think that probably hit him pretty hard and he's probably not feeling great about it. So as far as I, but as far as I know, he's fine. Did Danielle Smith take Trudeau's money for healthcare and can she stop the smart cities? Uh, I don't think she took the money. As a matter of fact, she said that we weren't going to participate in a digital federal health ID, as far as I know. Uh, can she stop smart cities? Well, I suppose the Alberta government could pass legislation uh, preventing municipalities from creating cities that have 15-minute districts like the Hunger Games. I suppose that could happen. Uh, whether or not the provincial government feels that's in the best interest of Albertans is another thing. I mean, we have this, the conversation basically goes, ah, carbon dioxide, nothing else matters, net zero at all costs, even if it means stripping away our rights and freedoms. That's a cost. And the government, the federal government and the World Economic Forum and the United Nations with their de uh, sustainable development agenda literally mean at all costs. So, yeah, sure, the premier could pass some legislation preventing that. However, we already have uh, our rights and freedoms enshrined in the Constitution that say the government can't do this. We have mobility rights. We cannot be restricted by any means, monetary or otherwise, to travel within our own country. But the federal government, with the support of the Supreme Court, says, yes, we can do that because climate change. So does it really matter what laws or legislation our provincial government passes if the federal government says, sorry, that doesn't matter anymore because climate change? If you don't want those 15-minute cities and you want to give the government the leverage they need to stand up against the federal government and say, no, we're not doing this, we need a referendum on independence. You see where I'm going here? You see how this all rolls back to leverage to negotiate with the federal government. This is how important this is. Every question that I'm asked about what's going on in the world and how Alberta can fix it, it all comes back to negotiating with the federal government and having the leverage to get the deal we need. Interesting, right? What does that tell you about the people that say, oh, I would never be a separatist we need to unify Canada. We need to unify Canada at all costs. At what costs? Losing our rights and freedoms? Not being able to use our resources? Freezing and starving in the dark? Driving broke down electric cars in Alberta six months of the year? What costs are people okay with? What costs are you okay with? Are you okay with the cost of next, the, the federal government sticks their fingers in our education, says we'll give you a bunch of money, but now you have to encourage kids uh, to switch their genders. 
or you have to confuse them to the point where they ask for maids. Like how, what costs are we willing to pay to unify the country? I would prefer to focus on prosperity and human flourishing here in our province so that we can set the example for every person just like you and just like me who believes in the sanctity of human life, who believes that human beings should flourish and be and be good inhabitants and stewards of this planet. That's what I believe. Uh... Uh, wow, I went way back in the comments by accident. Ah, good, good point, Joy Joy, except you can't negotiate with the federal government. Their attitude is, if you're not with us, uh, you're against us. I literally had a lib say that to me yesterday. I agree. I agree that we can't negotiate with the federal government. And we can't negotiate because we're negotiating from a weak position. And we need to go negotiate from a position of power. We need to have leverage. And I'm all ears if anybody can tell me what leverage would possibly work aside from a referendum on independence. What do you know about Trudeau handing Canada over to the WHO on February 27th? Not going to happen. You can't just hand a country over to the WHO. You can sign things like the Paris Climate Accord that give the government the mandate uh, to interfere with provincial issues by saying we need to stop your oil and gas to be net zero at all costs. We can do that, but you can't just hand a country over to the who. It doesn't work like that. Are you going to go to the protest for Mojo's? Oh, Mojo's is another, is a whole nother can of worms. So everybody, I want you to familiarize yourself with what, with what is going on with Mojo's Garden Center and Diner in Onaway, Alberta. They are being absolutely steamrolled by a tyrannical bullshit county of Lac-Saint-Anne. Is it Lac-Saint-Anne? Oh, I hope I didn't say it wrong because if I did, that's going to be really embarrassing because I don't want to say that somebody's bullshit if it's not actually them anyway whatever county they're in uh they are literally trying to destroy their business they're conspiring with other agencies the the county and some of the county planners and whatnot are conspiring allegedly with the fire chief with occupational health and safety with alberta health services to try and literally demolish their buildings and their property that's what's going on with mojo's diner so Please familiarize yourself with what's going on with that. Phone Shane Getson's office and ask him to fill you in on what's going on with Mojo's. The diner that him and Jason Kenny visited and congratulated for the work they were doing and how they were building this great business. Jason Kenny and Shane Getson visited them and shook their hands and said, great job. And now they're Actually, they have a demolition order for their buildings. So get to know what's going on. Carrie and I are going to do a show sometime soon when Carrie's done gallivanting all over the place, karaokeing and drinking beer 
and just sleeping and things like that. We'll talk more about Mojo's, but find out for yourself first. Parkland County. Yeah, sorry, not Laxan Ann. That's the constituency associate or the constituency. It's Laxan Ann County. Uh, and 1047. I'm 17 minutes overdue. I'm going to bed. So good night, everybody. And uh, thank you all for coming to the Whistle Stop Cafe in Mira, Alberta and allowing me to serve you coffees, which two years ago was illegal and allowing me to serve you food and having conversations with me. I really appreciate it. I'm absolutely loving it. Um, being a waitress in my own restaurant was exactly the reset that I needed from everything that's been going on. And it's also allowed me to have individual conversations with people that I believe are the most important things we can do right now with each other. It's not, yeah, I've, I've gone, I spoke to a crowd of 600,000 people in Ottawa. There was 2,000 or 1,500 people at a thing in Medicine Hat. There's events with five or 600 people all the time that I'm speaking to. But the most impactful and important conversations any of us, myself included, can have are the ones where we're face-to-face -face, uh, talking to people, whether they agree with us or not. So thank you for giving me the opp that opportunity. I'm going to bed. Uh, I hope you all have a great night, and I would love to see you at the Whistle Stop Cafe in Mare, Alberta tomorrow. Oh, by the way, uh, we haven't done it for a while. So next Saturday, which is... Uh, I didn't bring up a calendar in this thing. I need a kid to run my computer. Saturday, the, is that the 4th? Saturday, March 4th at the Whistle Stop Cafe in Mira, Alberta. We are going to be doing free burgers and fries again from 12 o'clock until 4 o'clock. Whistle Stop Cafe in Mira, Alberta. Free burgers next Saturday. Come and join us there. It's going to be a beautiful day, whether it's plus 10 or minus 30. Uh, you're going to meet some great people. We're going to have a lot of fun. And uh, you get to enjoy some free burgers. So come on down to Mira, Alberta. Bring a friend. Go visit some of the other shops in town. Make a day out of it. Hope to see you there. Night all. P.S. Free burgers next Saturday. What's the stop cafe in Mira, Alberta?